with the brother side podcast i'm alex i'm justin today we have a great guest with us we have mr andy alloway president of nebraska realty how you how you doing andy i'm good good yeah. thanks for coming on yes thank you today our drink of choice is miller light <laughs> and why is that <laughs> uh you know that's a great question i'm a beer scotch wine guy and so i kind of gave the options i figured beer would be easier here you know not, yeah i don't think a podcast is like a wine thing right so no definitely not, not i would say definitely not this podcast not, well, <laughs> we're not cultured enough for to be wine, we're kind of like no. the barefoot kind of people. Yeah, well, barefoot wine. I, I, no, oh, I'm, not, I'm not a barefoot. Two, yeah, two buck chuck, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know, Miller Lite is uh, it's what I drink. My girlfriend does Coors, so she would not approve of this. But Banquet Coors or like Coors Light? Uh, she's a Coors Light. She likes the red beer stuff. Like, okay, you know, all right. It's, I don't, it's disgusting. <laughs> you put tomato juice in it? I do, oh, I would yeah. do yeah, it in the that. morning. Like if I plan on drinking all day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love Bloody Mary, you know, right. usually when you're on vacation or something. But yeah. and I'm not a big tomato juice fan. They're great in that. But the red beer is awful. Like, I, I can get Have you tried there. orange juice beers? I did once. Yeah. I don't like fruity stuff. I'm like, if, you know, beer should just be beer. Coffee should be coffee. I'm not sure you there. You know, no creamer. I don't okay. need all the stuff. Uh, wine should be dry and, and scotch should be... Well, I'm still doing it with ice cubes, so my friends that are really scotch drinkers yeah. will say, neat, you shouldn't put any water in there, but God, uh, not a lot of food. It's like gasoline. Yeah, I can't no? stand scotch. Damn, I should have chose scotch. Yeah, I yeah. Chose yeah. just watch us suffer, yeah. Yeah. get yeah. through these drinks. Here's another sip. Yeah, I'm with you on black coffee, though, all the way. Yeah. And, and speaking of coffee, we should. this is the first chance we've got to... Show the swag off. We got uh, brother side coffee cups now. You gonna show? You gonna show them off? Yeah, sure. I think yeah, we should. Why not? Get in there. While you're getting out. in there, though, we uh, have some commonalities here. You're a Miller North Mustang. I am. Justin, I too am a Miller North Mustang. Really? Yes. What year? Oh two. Oh, so you're younger than me. Yeah, what I know. Year were you? Your uh, hair 95. definitely makes you look younger. <laughs> That's for sure. That's uh, cool. I like what that. year did you? Uh, graduated in 95 okay. and um, played uh, basketball and baseball for a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah. All, you know, I hung out with all the football guys and, and uh, Coach Petito's still, still doing it there at, at Miller. Uh, still yeah. rocking it. Yep. He yeah. looks around the same, in a sweatsuit. Too. He does. The guy doesn't age. I, I, he doesn't. No. Honestly, I don't know how he does it. but Yeah, still running around in his sweats, uh-huh. you know, with the giant sweat ring down his chest, just gray sweats. That's how I remember. Well, he, he, he used to, like, um, you know, at the end of the school year, there'd be clothes left over in the locker room. they kind of get together and have their own garage. Say, I'll take that and that. I think that's what he wore for the next year or whatever. Yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah, I, I was not an athlete at Miller North. Uh, tried. Yeah. Failed. Um, tried out for basketball, golf, and baseball. And you were close in baseball. Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of hit my growth spurt after – kind of later in high school and I just I was small early in high school and I was trying out 
Not that that's an excuse, but that's what I'm going with for now. Well, but at least you can say this. Like, your peak was later on. I think I, I was like 6'2", where I'm at now when I was going into high school. So I probably oh, wow. peaked early and then hit a plateau, you know. Because you, you were 6'2", going into high school? I was pretty close. Yeah, I don't think I grew much after I got into high school. I was like the suit, you know, I, I love sports, played all the sports growing up. And, and as a young kid, I was always way bigger than everybody else, so... I was you know, probably better, and then, then I probably peaked early. Ta- tapered off. Yeah. Could you throw down, like jam a basketball? Gosh, I could back yeah. in the day, but it was close. It was, the, it was like, one it of those It doesn't matter. I wasn't, I wasn't blessed with super great uh, uh, ability in jumping. or I, was prob- I think my care, I was good at everything, but I wasn't great at any one thing. Sure. You know? so, that yeah. goes a long ways in high school sports. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you could get up to the rim, Justin. I I can touch the rim. We can touch. That's not dunking. No, I know, but like you know, I'm six foot. Touching the rim, two hands. Yeah, can that's you still. Oh, that's good. Still yeah, I can it? still do it. I mean, wow. I haven't tried for a while. COVID. COVID ruined my jumping. I haven't just been jumping up and grabbing rims here recently, but I before COVID, yeah, I could still touch rim, two hands. Wow. Which okay. you know. I don't want to brag or anything, but sometimes it was just about, you know, your hands weren't big enough to, to, yeah, ball, I, couldn't, right? I couldn't. So you had to do the mini balls to, yeah, if you right. were, if you were tennis not ball. this close on getting over the rim, I could get a tennis ball through, but that's not dunking. No, not really. but, no. but that's that everybody's like go to, I can dunk a tennis ball. Like yeah. sweet dude. How often are you going to do that in a game? You know? <laughs> Do you watch – are you an NBA guy? Are you watching the playoffs? You know, I've never I, – I haven't watched any of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I've never been a super big – well, I should take that back. When I was young, I mean, basketball was my first love, and then I was probably better at baseball. And had I had to do it all over again, I would have played golf because that's probably the one I had most talent in. But I love – I was a – you know, I was a Bird, Magic, and Jordan fan. I mean, that's that was – to me, yeah. that was the renaissance, the heyday of NBA. Loved it. And then – once Jordan kind of retired, um, you know, I liked college more, and I didn't watch a whole lot of NBA. It just became one-on-one league to me. Sure. Yeah. And I just haven't watched a ton probably in the last 10 or 15 years. But my, my daughter is 12, my son is 10, and they're both really athletic, and, and I coach them in basketball and, and different sports. And, and so I watch a lot more of it now usually with them. But with COVID and the stop-start, yeah. I'm like a you know, traditional seasonality person. I'm oh, like, yeah. NBA should have been done in June. I just yeah. don't have an interest. It's like I love golf. But when football rolls around in August every year, I don't play golf anymore because I just want to watch football. And yeah, so I'm with I'm just you. Kind of ingrained in those patterns. I yeah, guess. that's how I am too. I haven't watched. I watched maybe one NBA game this but, whole time. And we've talked about it. Bo- the bubble's been weird. Yeah. Like for the NBA, it's yeah. been weird. Uh, I think that the best teams have kind of risen to the top because you, there's no home court advantage. Right. So because of that, you do see the best teams <clears throat> here at the end. And to me, I do watch, but it's. It's kind of been fun just to watch the pureness of the game, I guess, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You just don't see a lot of the acting and stuff for the fans, and, you know, it's just more just basketball. Which, I I mean, and that I appreciate because I didn't like, like I said, it was the one-on-one nature. I love a lot of the college game or the throwback that you're working oh, yeah. in unison, and yeah. that's what I love about coaching the younger kids. It's a it's complete team game. But you're right. I mean, I, it probably has taken some of that hype out of it, although it's fun to watch them go to the opposing arena. I mean, oh, that's yeah. the whole yeah. point, right? Oh, yeah. It's entertainment. Yeah. Once you yeah. get to that level, it's not like you're playing club ball because it's, it's just fun anymore. It's an entertainment thing, so to take – a lot of the entertainment out, it does miss an element. But oh, for I guess sure, they're doing their best. I like suppose. a big three, and the crowd just goes nuts. You know, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, oh, we gotta call a timeout to slow down momentum. Right. 
I mean, that still happens to a degree, but you know, it's it's definitely not the same. I can't stand the cutout things and like the the pumped in music. Yeah, yeah. it is pretty ridiculous. I don't know. Yeah, the um, you said Bird and Magic. I mean, they kind of saved basketball. I mean, the NBA was struggling when they came in. The rivalry rivalry that the Celtics Lakers had. I mean that kind of saved the NBA. Yeah, hundred percent. Michael came along. And Did you watch the last taken. dance? I, yeah, I watched almost a, most. I think there was one or two I missed, but yeah. what a competitor, huh? He's he's the goat. I don't care what anybody says, and Uh-oh. even my son, my son who's ten, yeah. right? He's he wears twenty three, and it ain't for LeBron. You know, yeah. he knows he's got. I've, when he first started playing, is when I first got him his uh, first pair of Jordans, and I save them all all the oh, way that's up. That's cool. And uh, he knows who, and my daughter knows who the goat is. Yeah, I, I agree. I tend to agree. Jess, how do you feel on that one? I think Michael was really good. Obviously, he was great over here. I am a LeBron guy, although I know they played in two different eras. It's different style of basketball. I just think that LeBron was a little bit more is a little bit more diverse. Now, Michael was an excellent scorer, mm-hmm. like unbelievable just competitor. I think he was just a, a slightly better version of, of a Kobe. You know, just you need a bucket, he can go get you a bucket. But, I mean, he was never a leader in assists. Great defender. Yeah. Um, decent rebounder. I don't, I don't want to get too yeah, deep Yeah, let's not it, get too but, deep in this. <laughs> yeah, but I am, You're going to throw your microphone I, across the room. No, but I am. I'm a LeBron guy. Although I told Aaron last night because I was watching the Lakers game last night. And I'm like LeBron's lost a step. I mean, it's pretty obvious yeah. now. And he, I mean, he's 17 years. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. he's logged more minutes than anybody in NBA history. Hey, I'll give him number two. Yeah, number two ain't bad. Number two ain't bad. That's right. So yeah, anyway, he, he uh, got blown away in the MVP votes, didn't he? I know, and I think that was a little yeah, unfortunate. Like he had a votes. really good year. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he he was mad about it. We'll see who they were talking the about title. that though. Like I don't, he hasn't won very many MVPs, right? Like he has he, four. He has four. Okay. Well, they were kind of mentioned. Man, shouldn't he have won a lot more? Because is there anybody more valuable to the team? And probably the answer is no. I mean, it's not like Giannis. He's certainly deserving. Oh yeah. But Giannis over the course awesome. of seventeen years, he probably should have about eight or ten of them. Oh, honestly. I would agree. Yeah. Every team he moves to, it just gets dramatically better. And then back back when they were. I mean, when he was, like, getting them, it was the same thing kind of with Michael a little bit. It was LeBron fatigue. Right. You know, right. even though they were – they thought he was deserving or pro- you know, probably could earn it, you know, these other young and up-and-coming right. guys, you know, that were exciting, and they you – know, voters just kind of wanted to go a different direction. Yeah. So just like, uh, you know, football, college football, like Nebraska fatigue in the 90s and Alabama now, right? Yeah. Oh, I – are they ever going to be bad, Alabama? Yeah, yeah when Saban retires. Yeah, yeah no right. kidding. Because they were not good before Saban. Like, no. they kind of went through a slump yeah. for a while, for a long while, where they were not all that competitive. Yeah, from about the early 90s to the mid-2000s. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like, you know. But they're just the so dominant now, it's unreal. Well, I mean, Clemson is too. They weren't even in the playoff last year for the first time. Yeah, mm-hmm. first time in how many years? I don't know. It's cyclical, though. It I mean, is. You know, the decade has been dominated by them, right? The last ten years, and and Clemson too. And but didn't you think about that, like in the early two thousands, about Miami? I mean, they were like so good, oh. and then then USC came along for about five years, and you're like, these people, they'll, they'll never lose, right? Yeah. And then a few things happen, and you know, yeah, they kind of get knocked back. Yep. 
So, so we're waiting for the cycle to come back on Nebraska. Yeah, That's we've been <laughs> waiting a long time. It's our time. turn. <laughs> it's our turn. I hope we're gonna get blown away by Ohio State. Yeah. No, we're not. I think I think Nebraska can score on Ohio State because their defense. They lost a ton of uh, players on defense to the NFL. Their offense almost brought everyone back. So they're gonna be hard to stop. But I think we can score. I just we won't be able to score enough. Right. But I don't know about blowout. You know, I hope not. I mean, yeah. you just, that's. I think. I think most Husker fans are pretty realistic, right? They just. They just want Oof. them to go out, and they know that it takes a while to to get back to put the people in place. But they want to go out and have a good showing. They don't want to yeah. go out and and be. Gee, you know, every time you look like you shouldn't belong in the same field with them. I mean, that's. They got a lot of pride here, and so yeah. you go out and you put up a fight like they did two years ago too. Yep. And could have could have easily won it. I mean, could have won that game. You know, I think I think Nebraska. Yeah, they want to win, of course, but as this march back and I, I think most people think frost is the right guy and it takes time but you go out and have a good showing i mean th- that builds on it you know oh yeah because yeah. you have a tailgate down there don't you we've tailgated so no not like a consistent you know we do one our nebraska realty so we'll do a tailgate every year we actually now we pick an away game and we have it at our oh. office in omaha so yeah we'll put we'll have about 450 500 people out at our office Sweet. and uh you know we'll blow it up the game in, in the parking lot like one year we put it we hung a uh, screen from the building so it was like 30 foot by 40 foot wow it's had a projector on there so you're driving down dodge street and the, the game's projected, and then we had a you know blow up one over here, and we've got a patio outside. So, and we had you know we have food trucks, and we get all kinds of stuff for the kids. And that's what just game part was of it? Um, that game was one that didn't end up well, which is most of them. <laughs> there hasn't been a lot of <laughs> recent know, success. Honestly, I, I don't know. Road really, games, especially. a couple of them. I think last year we did like Minnesota or something. You're like, yeah. So. I haven't actually made it to one of those yet. You haven't? No. Well, I always have something going on for some reason. Of course, we had one scheduled this year, and that wasn't going to happen. So, no, that's unfortunate. Let's uh, switch gears here. So, you went to Northwest Missouri State, yeah. exercise science, and then you were a trainer for the Milwaukee Brewers. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, uh, I went to Northwest. I, you know, I was kind of, I love sports, like we were talking about, yeah. and so. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be a pro athlete, so I wanted to stay in sports. So what are some of the fields? And, you know, originally I thought, well, maybe a sports journalist. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of writing. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought, well, then how about uh, strength and conditioning? Because, you know, I, I did work out a lot and with a lot of the teams and love sports to be around it. So that's ultimately what I what I had uh, graduated with. And then I sought to pursue something in football. Mm-hmm. So I tried to get internship. I did an internship at Iowa State with their football team uh, one year. So that was, you know. What'd you awesome. do for your internship? So I was a, I was a strength coach for Iowa State as a, you know, an unpaid assistant intern sure. uh, over a summer conditioning. So we did uh, all their summer training from about the end of May through the first part of August, right, right before two days. Um, so I went through their whole program with them over summer so it was cool i heard yeah. you were pretty cut up back in the day is that right no man i was no, i'm about man. 185 pounds now okay back then that that year so that was right before my uh right before i graduated so my last semester i was about 270 pounds holy oh, man yeah i should have brought in my picture oh yeah. my gosh well so because they thought hey i'm gonna be a strength coach and i wanted to do football or basketball basketball mm-hmm. would have been cool but it, it didn't have as much back then and so, oh, I got to be big. So we were, you know, dabbling in powerlifting and doing oh, all yeah. those things because yeah. you wanted to experience what you're trying to learn and teach, right? Yeah. 
And my best friend uh, from Miller played football at Miller North and then played at Iowa State. Um, Who was that? His name was Mike Hansen, and he was uh, he 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 got recruited as a tight end uh, there, and then he switched to defensive end. And after a couple of years, he had I don't think three or four concussions, and he had to retire. So he was actually part of the, the strength staff as well. Okay. Super strong, big guy, and. Um, so, you know, you, you're, you're wanting to be around those. It's, it's kind of hard to say, well, I'm a distance runner around all these football players, right? Cause you just yeah. train differently. Sure. Yeah. So there's an element of credibility saying, yeah, this is what I do too. Right. And you know, listen to what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, you'd do that. It wasn't all, it, it certainly wasn't 270 pounds worth of, uh, uh cut up muscle. <laughs> Pure muscle. Yeah. Right. Just wow. I, wish. I, I can't picture you at 270. I know that is yeah. difficult to, we just moved. I broke out that picture to my girlfriend uh, a week ago and she was like, really? All right. Yep. No that neck. was me. Yeah. yeah. Do you get shit at the uh, office? Does that picture come out at the office? No, it hasn't. Uh, and <laughs> and honestly, keep it that way. Not yet. Well, we've got a couple guys too on our team that are, uh, you know, world-class powerlifters at Nebraska Realty and, and they've been there for several years. So they always joke. They always want to see these pictures. It's not yeah. You. It's a, yeah. Definitely not me. No. Not with these knees. No. So, I, yeah, I went to the Brewers, I guess, uh, because after I graduated, um, that was the opportunity that was available. I tried to, I wrote um, uh, Nebraska a few times about possibly doing, even being an intern down there um, with Boyd Epley. And I finally got a nice, you know, comment back. They kind of hired from within, so that okay. wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. And so the Brewers, uh, you know, they needed strength coaches at this time. It was still in baseball, kind of in its infancy. So they wanted coaches at all levels of their minor league system. So they said, yep, come out <clears> to spring training. And so I did that for a month, and I was stationed in high A ball out in uh, Stockton, California. And nice. so I w did the Cal League all that summer. And then out of the, the five or six minor league coaches, strength coaches, they invited me back to do fall instructional league. And so I went back to Phoenix, uh, which is where their spring training hub is, mm -hmm. and, um, and went through that. And they said, hey, we want to offer you the coordinating position for the minor leagues. And um, so this was, I was 23. And it was it was a great gig though, right? You're yeah, 23. You're in California. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, awesome. I mean, we had the we we were in a ball, so I had the number one prospect in the in with the Brewers on on our team. You know, this is a 19 year old kid that's throwing 101 miles an hour. Jeez. And just being around the whole lifestyle, and it's yeah. I was around athletes my whole life, so it, you know it, it fit well for me. But at night, you know, we'd, we'd you know, be at the park all day, and then sometimes if we had an off day or off two days, which was rare. Um, it, Tahoe is about three hours away. Uh, so some of these guys as agents would call up and get rooms down in Tahoe and we'd, I'd go down with them. I mean, I'm taking a lot of coaches. Oh, I'm yeah. going to, you know, hey, can I go guys? Right? <laughs> and I, and so the, uh, I slept on a couch with our trainer, with our, so I was the strength coach and we had our, you know, our team trainer. And I slept on the couch of a morning show DJ who was actually the number one morning show DJ in Northern California. And why he was in Stockton, I have no idea. But he loved, we were the Mudville Nine. That was the team name. So if, you know, the, put me in coach, I'm ready to play. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the song about the Mudville Nine. Okay. okay. Yeah. And huh. so he loved this team. So he'd go out and shag balls and stuff with us. And, and so he, he allowed us to stay at his apartment, basically. And he'd always invite us. He goes, man, we're, we got these shows in San Francisco this weekend. And San Francisco is about 80 miles away. And it was all at the time. It was all the big. It was Snoop Dogg and Dre and all the uh, all the yeah. big. Time. He goes, "We'll get you guys backstage, no problem." Never once went because we really? were always at the park. 
Just because you had to work. Oh, we were at the yeah. park until yeah. 10 yeah. or 11 o'clock at night. Wow. So. Bummer. So what got you out of the brewer organization then? I mean, because yeah. that sounds pretty sweet. Well, it is, right? I yeah, mean, especially at your sports. Age. Yeah, the age just sounds like right up your alley. It was. It was It was. It was a fantastic experience, you know, like everything in life. I mean, I'm a big believer I, my faith. You know, I believe that things happen for a reason. But for to me, to me, it was um, they they called me back for fall instructional league and they said, look, we're going to offer you the coordinating position. Just go back home and we'll we'll call you because we're working on our budgets. So I went back home to Omaha and I was like, well, uh, I got to have something to do until spring training. And I was 23. I didn't have, I didn't really know other than that. I'm like, you know, I got to sure. do something until maybe they call back. Hopefully I can go back. I didn't right. know. So my buddy that I talked about before, he was kind of interested in real estate investment. I thought, Oh, real estate. Well, I'm going to need a place to live if I go back down to Phoenix. So let's take some real estate classes. Right. So there was an ad wow. in the paper for something about real estate and I called up and she goes, well, you have to have a real estate license. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I started taking classes at Randall, which we now own, which is it's interesting how things have come full circle. And uh, while I was about two weeks into my classes, they called, they offered me to the coordinating position for the entire minor leagues. It was 20,000 bucks a year, no benefits, fly to all these cities and the Dominican like twice a year. And then they'd give you some meal money. I mean, that was it. Wow. Huh. And you had like these that's old, tough. like yeah, these old yeah, roving that's... instructors that have been around for 30 years that they're like, ah, I don't need, you know, strength coaches. You guys will get all bulky and right. they don't need this in baseball. So it really, the ironic thing is strength and, and conditioning was in, it was the height of the steroid era. Yeah. Right. And yeah. yet you had these, these coaches, are, I don't need this stuff. And you got these guys that are cranking just, 70 homers jacked, a year. Yeah. yeah. Well, we would go down on a California, like on our Southern, we did two Southern swings in the <clears throat> Cal league. And so when we go down to like Lake Elsinore, which was outside of San Diego, I'd have guys that, you know, we'd be there for three, four days. And so uh, when they had some downtime, they'd, they'd swing across the border to Tijuana. And <laughs> then they'd wonder what they're in. doing over there. Well, and, and right before that, they'd ask me. And so as, that's part of my job, though, is to, to know about, you know, a lot of those things, which I did. And so I'd get these questions. Well, what, you know, what is if I uh, they just they'd ask questions, and say, well, what does this steroid do or what does that one do? And so I'd be really analytical and I'd say, this is what these things can do. And here's the side effects. And so they they do this. And a, and a few weeks later, we'd be back home and they'd come walking into the training room with no shirt on. You're looking kind of puffy there. <laughs> and they just walk out, you know, and it was it was interesting. I mean, it, you know, it was just something that 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 they did. I don't you know, there wasn't widespread testing. It was just it was before a lot of that that right. took place. And. Um, so, I mean, it was interesting, it, uh, but when I was back, I was like, okay, $20,000 a year. I liked it, but I didn't love it. I loved, I liked the lifestyle, but what I found is I cared more about the conditioning aspect than a lot of these athletes did. Yeah, you know, that's, these, that'd be hard. Yeah, that's sad. You know, so you're almost like ha having to push them yeah. rather than wanting to do so, it. Yeah, guys, I mean, they should be beating me in the gym every day, yeah. right? And it was more, I had to justify to guys who were somewhat, I mean, and don't get me wrong, like we're in A-ball and we're made up of teams like the guys in this team, you think, okay, A-ball, well, maybe they're not as good or whatever. No, most of these guys were College World Series guys. They were MVPs. They were everything you would say, I mean, great right. baseball yeah. players. And 
you know, they just were like, well, why do I have to work out again? What's like, well, you're 26 years old and you're still in A-ball. I, 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 sh I shouldn't yeah. have to say anything yeah. Yeah. you know. <laughs> but the, I think that's the unfortunate thing is a lot of these, uh, the, the teams, you know, they have such a passion for it. And, but most of them will never see that. And, and a lot of the, it's, you know, each team's probably made up for three or four prospects that are ultimately going to make those big leagues, but they got to field teams. Um, and, you know, so I guess that was a little bit of a, of a factor for me. It was like, man, it's hard for me to go out and have to justify to you why you should go out and work out. I'm passionate about this stuff. Right. And some of the guys were, but a lot of them weren't. And so I just go, well, you know, is, is that really what I want to do for the rest of my life? I mean, yeah, yeah. And so when I was back there, uh, they said, hey, I, we need an answer on Monday or whatever. So I went to my real estate instructor at school that night and I said, look, the brewers have offered me this job. I'm either going to stay here in real estate because this is kind of intriguing to me or I'm going to go back to Phoenix. And he said, well, go talk to this guy, Van Deeb. And, he, yeah. and I was like, all right, I've never heard of him. And so I went and talked to Van, and obviously and, uh, he was a great salesman, and I spent an hour with him. I was like, yep, I'm going to stay here and do real estate. And I called the brewers <laughs> and said, thanks, you. but no thanks. That's yeah. it. You know, and, uh, and so that's how it all started for me here, I guess. What year was that? That was uh, in the fall, fall of 2000. Okay. So, and then you worked for Deeb for nine, ten years before you, yeah, how did that transition work? Yeah, so I started, so after that conversation and called the brewers, and then I, I went, uh, Mr. Deeb had, a, had a, a company, we had about 20 or 25 agents at that time, and uh, in just a small little strip center off of Dodge Street, and so I started off as an agent, you know, and like a lot of agents, you yeah. know, it, it's a straight commission business, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. And so I needed, um, I needed something else to do, so I was training here, I was doing personal training and other things. Yeah. And working as, a, as an agent to build my business. And we had one part-time employee at the company at that point. And ap after about six months of me being there, that person uh, decided they didn't want to do that anymore. So I, I told Van, I said, man, I'd be interested because I could make a little bit of money and I could learn more about the business. So yeah. he, I was fortunate that he hired me. And, uh, you know, I answered phones and, and did uh, listing input and cleaned the toilets and whatever it needed, right? Really? Yeah. And then we, uh, later that year, uh, you know, Van had been around for about eight years at that point with his own company. I mean, he was really successful in Dallas prior mm -hmm. to that and then came back and started his own deal out of his basement. And so he had kind of been around for about eight years and had a really unique business model compared to the rest of our competitors. Hmm. And I mean, that's one of the reasons I went was, was that, I mean, his, his business model. And so... I think it really started to kind of take hold. He hired a general manager later that year that really helped us get the word out about what we did and who we were, and we started to really take off, you know, and so. Wow. Yeah. Did, <clears throat> doesn't Deeb have a story about he used to carry, like, a giant business card in his pocket or something? Yeah. How, does that, how does that go? <laughs> right? Obviously, you know, like, obviously like he knows something about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, he totally did. He's, so he's a, he's a local guy, right? Yeah. He went to Burke and UNO. And uh, played football at, at at UNO. Although he'd tell you he didn't he uh, he wouldn't characterize it as playing. You know he yeah. was interacting with the cheerleaders. He was hanging out with the cheerleaders, smoking cigarettes. I think. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, so when he left UNO, he went down to Dallas to kind of get out of Omaha, and he worked for a home builder for a couple of years. And you didn't have to be licensed to do that at the time. 
And then he had all these clients who said, hey, I'm gonna get my license. So he went out, joined Remax, and within the first year, he, they had some kind of awards banquet. And, um, and so he went and listened to the gal that was like the top agent in Dallas, Mary Harker, something like that. And so he took her to lunch, you know, and, and, and just to pick her brain. And, and I don't know where he got this, you know, but he did. He put his, I think it was a business card or it was an award that he got or something, right? Yeah. Like and it was black about, in his pocket. It was about an eight by 10. <laughs> <laughs> and he put it on his keys, so it had to stay out of his pocket. So yeah. everywhere he went, he had this thing swinging around, so people would ask him. And then he would go and he'd say, man, he'd be standing in line at the supermarket, at the, at the grocery store, and he'd pick up all the magazines, and he'd throw his business card in every magazine. So when somebody opened it up, it would fall out, you know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And that's not, pretty smart. I mean, not that it's that would ever yeah. get you busy, yeah. but the point is, I mean, it's, it is Name smart. recognition, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the point, right? Yeah. Wherever you go, you tell somebody what you do. Right. And leave that trail. And obviously, he did that successfully. I mean, he became the top agent in Dallas out of knowing nobody. So, I mean, he's got a, a fantastic story yeah. of uh, success. And then he brought, you know, after about 11 years in Dallas, he came back here because his family was here, didn't intend to stay down there, just his business took off. And so he, he worked for a company for about six months here. And then he said, you know what? You know, I'm gonna open up an agent-centric brokerage. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of the traditional brokerage were much more about, you know, this is the broker and here's how we do things. And he goes, man, I, you know, I was the top agent in Dallas and I was the one that brought in the business, you know, from my perspective, I serviced the business. And so right. he just, he kind of turned the business model a little bit and said, it's about the agent, not the broker. Wow. Mm. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and thank our sponsors. We would like to thank Code 99. Do you need a certification in CPR for work, school, or for medical practice? Call Code 99 at 402-618-9004 to get certified today. And we're back with the brother side. We have Andy Alloway with us. We're just discussing, you know, kind of his start in real estate. So tell us more about the transition from Deeb to you taking over Nebraska Realty. Yeah, uh, you know, it was, like I said, um, we had a... I worked for Mr. Deeb for about eight years and he gave me my start. We really started to grow, you know, it went from, I started there, we had 20 or 25 agents and, and then, you know, I was just fortunate. I was fortunate, I think, to be in the right business model in the right community at the right time that technology started to take over that allowed us to do something, some things that, um, you know, only large company brokers could probably do before that. So it was just, a, it was really fortuitous for me, I guess. Um, and the fact that Mr. Deep gave me that start to be able to, to do that. And we had a general manager that he brought on, helped us really grow. And we moved in you know, over about three year period. We went from 20 agents to almost a hundred. And we moved out geez. of our, our um, you know, 1500 square foot office space to uh, Mr. Uh, Van bought a building, it was about 6,000 square feet. And uh, at that point, our general manager had, had uh, taken another opportunity and he was like, well, you want the job. So he hired me for that. To be the general manager? To be the yeah. general manager. Okay. So I've been in the business about three, three and a half years at that point. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was another great opportunity. So I kind of took over the reins of many of the operations associated with it. And, uh, 
and I did that for about five years. Were yeah. you still selling houses at that time too then? Yeah, I was side, for, for, for a period of time. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, uh, until I got married and my, my wife or my ex-wife, uh, uh, she is, uh, she's still a realtor with us at Nebraska Realty, Yeah. but I met her there and she was an agent, is an agent. And so once I, I got married, then I kind of, you know, said here, if there's any, any deals, I mean, I'm way too busy doing this because right. we had grown to be, you know, a little over 300 agents, uh, from the time that I started as GM to the time that, um, you know, I ended up buying it. And so I think, you know, Van had been in the business for about 27 years. And he had gotten to the point where he'd accomplished a lot. Yeah. And uh, I think his passions lied uh, more. And this was right about, understand, I bought the company from him um, about four months after the market crash. So it was January of 09. Great timing. Yeah, yeah. For real estate yeah. uh, you know, brokerage, right? Yeah. So, but I think it was, it was one of those things where, you know, he started it here and we had taken it to here. I saw the vision. You know, uh, he'd been in it 27 years and he was really passionate about business coaching and, and doing yeah. a lot of motivational speaking in his books and things like that. And so I think he was ready to take that, that career path. And so I think if we were going to take it from here to here, it was going to take a lot of time, a lot of investment, a lot of things that we needed to do. And I think he was like, you know what, I think it's in good hands. We've grown it. Um, it, it it's, it's maybe time to move on and do the things I want to do. And so you know, we did the transition from himself to, to me in a week. Wow. Um, Holy. Well, you were already you, GM at that point. Yeah. You'd already been. Yeah. What, I mean, what's the, what's the GM do for the realtors or what, like, in what that company? Yeah. Well, yeah. everything. Yeah. Clean your bathroom. Yeah. 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 yeah, I guess we covered Whatever it needs to be. Yeah. I think we, we had a staff of, honestly, we had 315. We got up to about 340 agents before, uh, before uh, Van left, before I bought the company. But that was about a year. We started to decline our mark. You know, people, agents started getting out of the business. You know, in about 2008, and because you could start to see where the real estate market was declining, the stock market, and then you had mm -hmm. Bear Stearns, and you had all these things that were happening. So our OABR membership went from about 2,700 realtors down to about 1,800. Um, so we got up to about 340. Then when I bought it, it was just over 300. And over the next year uh, or year and a half, we were down to probably 240 agents. Um, and that was just indicative of the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, just you where know. the market was. And then, then we've you know, taken it from that point to where we are now. But what is a, what is a GM do? Well, I guess that I, was the I just, title. I don't, because I think of, of realtors as independent contractors, because essentially right. that's what they are, right? Yep, that's so, right. you know, I guess what does the GM do for right. these independent contractors? Well, so we're the managers, right? So we have, it, we almost have two titles. Uh, we struggle with this even today because from, from an agent's perspective, they want, the term would be managing broker. You know, we have, we have nine or 10 managing brokers with us today. So these are the people that they would go to, to train and support, you know, that, that are there to help them. We've got trainers, uh, you know, so support, technology, marketing, you know, the finance piece of it, the uh, operational piece day to day. What do we do from, some, from the time that a listing gets in the door to create procedures and processes for accounting to pay people out, 
to uh, to uh, facilitate um, you know disputes that might happen between agents or brokers. You know, uh, all the things that you see as a consumer on the front end, it's like ducks on a pond, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't just take a house and okay, yep, great, we're going to put it on the market. Well, what does that mean? Sure. Yep. Well, there's processes and technology and contracts and marketing and negotiation and and accounting and and things that are happen all down that line and so you've got to take that on a daily basis so this year for example I and mean, we've got just shy of 800 agents and Jeez. we'll do 6,000 you know closed real estate transactions this year so imagine wow. that i mean this is generally somebody's largest purchase or sale yeah. or it's an investment or whatever it is and all the moving parts, you know, Alex, you know, yeah. that go into a real estate transaction. And now take the technology that seemingly changes every day yep. and communications to agents and, and all the things that they have to know about the industry, legal, uh, you know, governmental affairs, all of these things that happen. Real estate is 20% of our GDP, both statewide and nationally. I mean, when wow. you think of That's a $20 a trillion dollar economy, sure. right? and we're 20% from a real estate perspective, it's a huge piece. So all the moving parts that go with that. So that's why almost, you know, Silicon Valley has been trying to, and they still, I mean, the VC money that's coming into real estate right now is ridiculous, yeah. Yeah. right? Because they want to capture that and, and they want to try to, to, to see what they can do to, to insert themselves. But, you know, we're not, our industry is so intensely personal. I mean, 80% of what we do is dealing with emotions and oh, helping yeah. people oh, and, yeah. and being You're a, a psychologist a you are yeah you know it's not always the technical aspect it's you know walking people through what is a really stressful it can be a stressful important exciting fun time of their life but there's all these different emotions so we deal a lot with that. So I guess in, in short, it's the long answer to say <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot, everything, a the, lot the, of the, shit, the COO and the designated <laughs> broker deal yeah. a lot. You know. so. What's up? You know, that kind of brings me to, you know, the bubble. Everyone thinks this bubble is going to burst at some point. And I heard 2018, 2019, 2020, and it just keeps going. Mm -hmm. What do you see for the future of real estate? Sure. You know, Omaha, I know our inventory is minute right now. What do we have? 800,000 houses in inventory? Yeah, we got like uh, Douglas and Sarpy. We're about 750. And then uh, if you put new construction in there, you're probably around 1,200. Yeah. I mean, that's nothing for the size of our city. It's, it's gone down. It is. I'll give you an example. So at the peak, right before the, in 2008, before we kind of had the, the crash, we were about 6,500 homes on the market. Well, now in Whoa. Omaha, we're about probably 1,300, 1,400. Why, why is that? Why are there so few homes? Like so, so, when you, so this is a great uh, uh, answer for you talk about a bubble. So people are worried about the bubble. So for like the last eight years, we've had this incredible run on appreciation and yes. number of homes, right? So <laughs> my house included, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in, in Omaha, over the last eight years, about 6% on average a year, which is really probably more than double the annual rate of appreciation in the Omaha area. I mean, Omaha is a great market because in, in slow times, we maybe depreciate two or 3%. In, in good times, we'd probably appreciate two or 3%, but we were steady. 
You know, you right. look at places like Miami or Las Vegas or wherever. All over the place. Yeah, they yeah. might go up 20% in a year, but then they'll go down 20% when something affects tourism, right? right? Yep. Yep. You know, we're very diverse business climate. We've got a, a stable, you know, a lot of uh, transportation, logistics, insurance, finance. These are stable type of jobs. And if you look at Omaha over the last 20 years, look at how far we've come. I mean, we have a great chamber. We've got great business leaders in this town. And Lincoln is the same way. Uh, so we've really come a long way. And over the next 20 years, the chamber projects, based on what they're looking at, that we're going to need their 2040 is another 400,000 employees to meet the demand of employers, right? Well, that's double the annual growth rate of Omaha. And one of the big problems is housing. And housing is a national problem. A shortage is a national problem, a local and a statewide problem. Because, and especially right now with new construction, we cannot get enough affordable housing back in the market. And we've been beating this drum for a long time. Yep. But the reason that I don't think a bubble is imminent, even, even given economic times, and I think you know, COVID obviously changes rules on things, but we've been pretty fortunate. Um, in fact, we might break records for home sales this year, even through COVID. That's insane. How is that? How, how is that possible? That's a, that <laughs> it, idea. It's it really crazy move. to me. Yeah. Well, it's you know, unlike the recession in two thousand and eight, the real estate market is has been the driver to lead us out. You know, I think uh, that what happened was, and we looked so starting. Uh, in March, right when kind of everything hit, mm -hmm. I said, okay, we're going to start keeping numbers on a daily basis. How many active listings are we putting in? How many contracts are we, or, or homes are we putting under contract? How many properties are closing? And we normally do that on like a, a weekly to monthly basis. So we expected, hey, when is this going to fall off? You know, we, God, we got 30 or 50 million unemployment or whatever, you know, whatever it was projected to be. And it never did in our city. In and out. I think we were fortunate in that we're in Nebraska and it wasn't New York, right? Yep. right. Yep. I think our, our governor and our state leaders uh, did a good job of saying, look, here's the restrictions we need to have, but we're not going to 100% close down. And so it was just steady. You know, we had some challenges. We didn't do open houses for a while and things like that. Right. But the interesting thing was it never fell off the cliff. And then about May 1st, all of a sudden, boom, it was like a spigot. It just opened up. And the 250 and under price range for the last few years has been incredibly uh, competitive. I mean, multiple offers in a matter of hours, uh, prices being well over list price, price, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. It's been that kind of market, right? Yes. But what was different this year is you'd started to see the high priced homes that were doing that. I mean, million dollar plus properties that were selling in a day or two. What? And that didn't that, happen in the Omaha market. Never had one of those listings. <laughs> <laughs> Any day, yeah. any, any day, day. I'm just waiting. Yeah. I'm just yeah. waiting. Anybody out Anybody there? Anybody listening right now? Yeah. Alex is looking for a million, million dollar listing, and he can sell it in a day. In a day, right. one day. Okay, let's, go. let's Blink do of this. An eye. So I think people were taking advantage of the fact that um, you know, I, I would say unfortunately for service oriented workers, COVID probably disproportionately hurt them worse. Obviously, mm -hmm. restaurants and hotels and right. things like that. Uh, workers that probably were not in the service industry, um, many of them were okay with their jobs. And they had a lot of equity if they'd been in their home for quite some time, they had equity built up. Um, and interest rates were are stupid low. I mean, they're sub three. Right. Yeah. And so I think what people said, if I got to spend a lot more time at home, and I've been thinking about pulling the trigger for a while, I'm going to pull the trigger now. Yeah. You know, I can get quite a bit out of my home, I might 
you know, pay for it on the other end. But this is the time because we, we've been wanting a pool. We want the home office. We want more space. And I think that's what happened to a degree. If you felt solid in your job, you took advantage of economic um, conditions with low interest rates and, and probably a lot of equity in your home to, to purchase. And that's what's happened. And, and the reason that I don't think you're going to see a bubble imminent is because a few years ago, millennials started to enter the real estate market in mass after a delay from the recession. Uh, baby boomers are getting to the point where they're starting to, hey, I've been in this, this you know, 4,500 square foot two-story for 35 years. I want to downsize. Yep. And then uh, investors over the last several years have gotten in the market in mass and they're buy and hold instead of flip. So they're buying rental properties because they see the appreciation and the rental rates have been right. high. Yep. So you've got these three large purchasing groups that are all entering and vying for the same type of properties. And so that's sucked all the inventory out and we can't put enough new construction affordably in there because cost for construction from development of lots, acquisition of the property, labor, materials. I mean, lumber's gone up 400% since April. Yeah, yeah. all-time high right now. Yeah, so you, you, you throw all this that's, together, that's and that's where we've got, we've got really high demand, we've got really low inventory. So until you start seeing those, those inventory uh, creep up a little bit, you know, I don't think you're going to see a bubble uh, at any point. I mean, and the Fed, you know, they're not going to raise rates for some time. Yeah. So I think 2021 is going to be a, another good year to take advantage. And I don't, I don't think there would be any kind of bubble for a few years if there was one. Do, I have you, th a, good. Oh, do you think the days of like the s smaller celebrity, you know, split entry home are finished? Like you just don't see those being built yeah. anymore. Like they're, yeah. And that's, I think that's where the, it seems like nobody starter, can, starter homes start, aren't like, really yeah. starter homes anymore. Well, they're not, but you know, I, and I give the analogy a lot. So imagine if you moved out to Denver and you said, well, I want to buy a $150,000 house. What would the realtor tell you out there? Probably laugh at you. Yeah. They would laugh at you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Omaha, you know, over the last decade, um, we were really undervalued for our community, frankly, and it was really affordable. We are affordable communities still, but it's, that's eroding a little bit. Um, you know, taxes obviously hurt in our yeah. state oh, and, yeah. and affect that. But eight, 10 years ago, to your point, you could buy a brand new, new construction celebrity, you know, split entry, three bed, two bath, two car garage, quarter acre lot, 120, 125,000, 130, right. right? And now those same properties, they'll 210. Yep, uh, and, right. and just going up. That's literally my house. Yeah, yeah you just awesome. described it's awesome, right? Yeah, it's, it's good for well, me. That, well, yeah, it's great because I mean, we bought we bought our house in 2010. It's a it was a heart Hearthstone home, mm -hmm. and um, you know, ours is appreciated a lot. But you what you get, you get all that appreciation, but you're still paying for it for the next house. Like True. You, that's where our debate has always been is to get that next house is just beyond the reach, yep. you know? Yeah. So we just don't quite make enough money together to like really get, get what that you want. Next yeah. home. Right. Yeah. You yeah. could, but are you making more of a lateral move than you want? You're, right. You really want the step up. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and we're like, cause we have enough space. Hearthstones are always known for these huge Big floor houses, plans, yeah. you know? And so really we have enough space. We've upgraded, you know, as much as we can for the most part. And we're like, you know, we like our house. If we can't get to that next house, so well, wait. Be well, you're you're part of the problem. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I, you know, you're not the first person to tell me that. <laughs> we need you to sell your house, yeah, please. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
You are the pro. Well, that's just it. My buddy works for McNeil, you yeah. know, McNeil Builders. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he thought about breaking off and doing his own thing. And I was like, you should. Maybe the niche is starter homes because no one's really doing it at an affordable price. And he's like, you, that's a problem. You can't you build can't. them less than $200,000. There's no margin. He's like, I mean, everything would have to be extremely perfect to make mm -hmm. money on those houses. Because yep. I'm like, couldn't you just bulk it out like celebrity does and you know order thing in ma mass quantities and he's like i still don't even think you could do it that way and well, make one under two hundred thousand dollars he's right i mean it is the, the only way you can do it and this is what we've been and actually we're trying to do we're trying to be part of the solution not just to say what the problem is and so we're working on some developments for this but i mean villa villa uh you know no maintenance villas townhomes those types what you're gonna what we're gonna have to do in order to correct this problem for entry level is you're not going to be able to buy the quarter acre lot celebrity home that you were describing that that, that you live in right yeah. um it's going to be it's got to be higher density because the problem with being able to say well can't we just go out and mass produce these well first of all celebrity owned a lot of the land for a lot of years yeah secondly they've they've worked with a lot of the contractors and they've got them on um you know the uh, in bulk so they might they'll guarantee them work whereas right, yeah, yeah. if i'm just a builder that's going to go out and build 10 homes a year you're probably going to pay a premium to get contractors in because they are at a premium right now mm -hmm. and they're going to say well if i'm going to go off that job who guarantees me work for the next five years then i'm going to have to pay make a hell of a lot of money over on this side right, right. and so there's a shortage of contractors materials are super high even development of lots i mean when it when it costs you 40 or 45 grand just to develop a lot before you even turn around and sell it as a developer to somebody else yeah. i mean you're already behind the eight ball here right so we're trying to be a solution that's well, how do you fix that well it's going to have to be a change of mindset. It's going to have to be that the starter home isn't always going to be that three bed, two bath, quarter acre lot, two, two garage, right? It's going to be uh, row style houses, brownstones, mm -hmm. which are starting to pop up here. Yep. Uh, townhomes, attached wall. So uh, some villas, uh, smaller lots, apartment style condos and manufactured housing where we're gonna have to get away from our mindset of 20 years ago that a manufactured house is just a, you know, a trailer that they set on a foundation. It's not. It's something that, and there's companies out there, they build them in factories, they've got all kinds of floor plans, they're very well engineered and built, and then they bring them out on site and it takes them maybe 60 days to assemble and attach and do all these things, but you couldn't tell the difference between that and a stick-built home. Sure. Yep. So instead of taking nine or 10 months to build a home, now we're taking 60 days to build a home, so we got higher density, uh, so we can keep the lot prices down, we can, we can build them quicker, and those are the things that are gonna help us solve the problem. But we gotta change our mindset a little bit. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I don't know, I can't speak for everybody, but maybe Omaha or Midwest mentality, condo living, I think is a hard it concept is. to grasp. It because is. everyone's used to having space. space. Like myself, and you included probably, enjoy that space and so if you're like yeah condo is your only option i would still not be okay with that you know like where's the value for me the, I, I need space it's the american dream mindset right of having that white pick of fence yep. in the backyard to throw the football around okay. with kids i i completely agree and you're spot on with that it is and that's why i think the condo market you know it was booming for a while in the early 2000s in downtown and then it cooled off with a lot of the recession and stuff yeah but it's not downtown omaha is not downtown chicago or new york or whatever right? right and i think so to that point 
what's going to have to happen if you want that. And what we're going to start to see is more bedroom communities be popular. So, you know, Elkhorn was that yep. 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and, and Gretna, and, and they've really starting to grow, right? Yep. So now your communities are Bennington, Ashland, Utan, Springfield, Louisville, mm -hmm. you know, Waterloo. It's going to be these places that are outside of town that it might take you 20 or 30 minutes, but I think people will. If you said, that is my dream, the white picket fence, and I want the yard. And I think you, you're going to be able to find some of those deals out there, but you're probably, in a lot of cases, going to have to go out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And we've always looked in Elkhorn because my, my wife is always looking, always on Realtor, you know, just always looking. She's always on NebraskaRealty.com? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. I have her on a search, but they're very specific for what they're looking well, for. Well, part of it is because we have no – there's no – you got to bump uh, We don't, there's no pressure at all. So mm -hmm. we're like, why not look for that perfect home? Because yeah. we can stay where we are and it's just fine. Or we can put in these super specific parameters. And then if the right thing pops up, you know, we're, we're ready to jump on it. I agree. That's what I would do. Yeah. yeah. So we, part of it, part of it. So part of it for us is staying in Elkhorn because the schools, right? And so, but once we get past that point in our life, you know, we could look anywhere go potentially. Where? Well, that's what I did. I mean, I just moved. I'm in Elkhorn. My kids go to Skyline and Ranch View, or uh, mm -hmm. we were, we're in Ranch View. You go to Skyline and then Elkhorn Valley View. And, and uh, you know, we've got, our family has expanded, so we needed more space. So we did the same thing. We said, okay, it's got to be right here. And, you know, the perfect opportunity came up for us, you know, to your point. So. Where'd you move to? Two blocks down the road. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Are you in the stuff. prairies? No, we're no. in Ranch View. Oh, you're still yeah, in we Ranch went to, Yeah, it, just, okay. it had a pool. So. That's in there. Yeah. Got to have that. <laughs> well, so quick on the pool. I mean, I talked to, to one friend that uh, they bought a house last year with a pool, she, and she asked a company that's maintaining it, how many pools do you normally bid in a typical year? And they said about 30. She said, well, how many have you bid this year? 400. Oh, Holy cow. it doesn't. Well, yeah, you couldn't go to a pool this summer. I, it's, you know, and when you sell a house, it used to be a liability. Now it right. is an absolute. I mean, that is a, a huge amenity. Yeah. Well, really? pools, pools today aren't what they were 20 years ago. They're pretty cool. Yeah. You know, with lighting and people have grottos now. It's yeah. like, yeah, you know, yeah. But, you know, I mean, they wouldn't even pools have doubled in the last couple of years. I mean, that basic pool that used to cost you thirty five thousand dollars and now cost you seventy five thousand dollars. It's insane. Well, I remember when we were we were playing golf at the Players Club, and we were um, on a particular hole, and on that hole alone, there was three pools being put in yeah. that, of houses that backed up to the golf course. And I was like, "Geez, like it's the same guys. They're just walking from that backyard to the backyard three yeah. houses down." That would be the business to be in, right? Oh now. man. Yeah. Well, just, there's not there's not a lot of good contractors for pools out there. You yeah. Know, it, I won't there's mention names, hand, but yeah, uh, there's just a few. You know, the blue collar industry has done really well through COVID. Yep. You know, I used to own a lot of landscape business, and uh, you know, I talked to my old business partner, and I mean, they're crushing this year. Really? You know, yeah, everyone's reinvesting in their, house, in their house. You know, so it's crazy times. I have one kind of question. I have a question. Um, talking about you said you had 800 people or 800 realtors. And they're all basically like private contractors. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you manage uh, the branding? Like, how do you keep that so tight knit? Because right. 
I would be worried as a business owner of, of that magnitude of these people that are on their own to a certain degree, yeah. like keeping the brand of Nebraska Realty so good. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great question because and it's tough. You know, I mean that's I think you know that's one of the biggest challenges of I love working with independent contractors. They're entrepreneurial. They're business minded. Uh, from a from a business owner's perspective, it's night. I mean, it's it's easier working with 800 independent contractors than it would be with 800 employees when you have HR issues and all the things sure. you deal with. So there's a lot of advantages, but one of the disadvantages is that I mean you cannot guarantee across the board like i can't bring in an agent we do i mean we've got great training programs we put great structure on things we we tell people here's what we need here's our brand standards here's how we do things um and so you try to get that consistency of service and marketing across the board right at the same time i mean people come from all walks of life all different perspectives uh into the industry a lot of some of them had 20 30 years in corporate and now i'm going to do this and some are right out of college and now i'm going to you know it's, it's all different right and I, I guess the answer is, is that that's part of what the general manager and all the staff, I mean, we have a staff of about uh, 35 to 40 with our business entities wow, that, so that uh, you know, everything from marketing to uh, training to new construction to legal, uh, all of the things that uh, a lot of the service tech oriented stuff, uh, we're constantly out there looking at at social media, how people are doing. We're, we have our sales meetings. We teach over 100 training classes a year. We have our what we call our agent academy. We so we do all kinds of things. Our our agent groups online. Hey guys, we're starting to see this. Just make sure we're here. Uh, but yeah, are there those times where they're outside of the bounds of the Nebraska Real Estate Commission right. that might have? Yeah, and that's when you 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 know sometimes we'll get a case so and so wasn't quite in compliance or whatever and then you reach out i mean and 99 percent of people are really good they sure. don't do things intentionally because it's their own yeah. brand too. Yeah. it's their brand yeah. right and and that's how our company was founded 26 years ago i mean mr deeb founded it on the fact that the agent is the core of the company they're the reason the company's successful and we want them to put their name in lights and and we want to be just part of that so that is a little bit of a of a balance there but i think people I think when you like the brand, then you want to display the brand sure. and you want to be proud of it. Yeah. I there was, I've, I've I've seen over the years there's some agents that just you know they 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 go so far with their own brand, you know they talk about how great the company is and the company and the company, and yet they'll put the company logo so so you need cheaters to see it way down in the corner of the website. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you should want to display that and be proud of it. I think most people are proud of our brand. I think they it resonates with the state. Yes. And so if it's a benefit to the agent to display your brand, then I'm gonna do it. You know? you know, I think the coolest thing about Nebraska Realty is- And then we gotta end on yeah, this. Well, well, yeah. I've never heard one bad thing said about Nebraska Realty, and you know, I'm a part of it, but you'll hear other companies, people like, oh, they did this or that. I've never heard one negative thing, or against you. Everyone's like, Andy's the best, he's so chill. And you know, I like that you're kind of a down to earth guy because you know, you suit up, but I can tell like you're more of a board shorts, like backwards hat, like that I makes am. you more authentic. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think people gravitate towards that. And think and about all the street cred he's going to have after being on this podcast. On the brother side. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I'm going to have to start coming with uh, board <laughs> yeah. shorts yeah. and backwards yeah. hat. No, but it's uh you've done a great job. Um, you have any last burning 
No, questions? no. We, I mean, I feel like we keep going. Do, for a do long we dare time. talk about Chuck Bernie or just no, leave I think we got to wrap it up. That'd be a whole podcast itself. Yeah, wouldn't it? He's a creature, man. I mean, he's a whole different. Chuck is fantastic. Well, we'll end on that. Thanks for coming on today, Andy. We really appreciate really, it. Yeah. Super interesting. That thanks was for awesome. having me. I yeah. appreciate it. I'm so Alex. Fun. I'm Justin. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, thanks. Till thanks. next time.